Well, welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm Braxton Hunter, and along with me today is... Jonathan Pritchett. There he is, but not just Jonathan Pritchett, because today we are going to answer the question of one of the things that atheists say, critics of, of Christianity will say, that can be demonstrated false in uh, many situations all right so so we're gonna we're gonna jump to our guest for today who is will hess mr will hess so glad you're here will what do you have to say for yourself well guys uh glad to be here um many people are probably familiar with me at this point because i've been on here a lot more recently so my name is will with the church split come check us out uh we talk about divisive topics in the church from a biblical perspective um and we also like to make it a little fun and we like to encourage intellectual toughness so therefore come with thick skin and you know we take theology seriously but we don't take ourselves seriously so come check us out if that sounds interesting to you Yep, he's linked in the descriptions, but also if you see that profile uh, image there in the chat, you can click that, I think, and go to his channel and uh, give him a sub. If you wonder why Will has been on quite a bit lately and probably will continue to be on, it's not just because we like him, although we do, but also because he now lives in our area and is the youth pastor is one of the many things he does at our local church. And so uh, that's... And a, one of the hosts of the Biblical Rogues Gallery that we have on Thursday, Thursday nights, where nights we're going through the Book of Romans. Yeah. Join us. Now they're in a playlist, so yeah. you can just get the playlist. 6.30s, uh, 6.30 p.m. on uh, Thursday nights. You'll find the three Central of us. Central time. Plus M- yeah, plus MJ Jackson and um, who else? Uh, sometimes Nick Quint. Sometimes Nick Quint. Sometimes uh, Brett Nicholson. Matthew sometimes J- MJ Jackson. Uh, we're going to have uh, Chris Bryan Samuel on tomorrow night. So right on. The, the get- apologist in Detroit. So let's get right to the topic here. And uh, by the way, you can get all kinds of extra content at, bra- at patreon.com slash Trinity Radio. Um, and we'll hope that you'll do that. Also, I think that Will has a Patreon as well at probably YouTube or Trinity or let's see, patreon.com slash what? The church split? Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's the, to- here's the topic. Here's what we're really talking about today is there is a thing that is a criticism that is often made against Christians that is at least often, if not most of the time, false. But it has been made about probably every um, Christian content creator who actually tries to do something and has been said about all three of us and and most Christian apologists, (laughs) at least. And that is that we are only in it for the money. Now, let me go ahead and give a caveat. There may be apologists that are only in it for the money. That doesn't sound very bright. If you're just trying to make money to go into apologetics, yeah, wow, well, <laughs> but there might be people like that. So of course the the claim can be true, uh, in principle, but it is it is overblown and like anybody anytime like if you're a Christian apologist, like I said, you will hear this criticism. If you ever mention that you have a Patreon, you will hear this criticism. If you ever mention a video that is only available on Patreon. You, you will hear this criticism that you're only in it for the money. So we can dis, we can get rid of that um, at least with one man here today. Oh, we can easily will get has. rid of it for us too. We people can. people yeah. know what kind of cars we drive. <laughs> what kind of, we, That's right. We uh, our, our our salaries are. By the way, I don't know what people think. They hear about like these mega mega church pastors or somebody who's making money. They write books and all that. 
Uh, but but the truth is, money flows. You don't even make mo- money from your books very well. Money flows <laughs> much more freely in the secular world than it does in the yeah. Christian world. Buy Braxton's books so that he can buy me lunch more often. Yes. That's, I, I, that's the only reason you should buy those books is so that he has more money to buy, you, buy my lunch. Will, okay, they're they're good books. Will that's, is they're, they're Will is going to tell us his what has happened to him, and this is more than just an interview show. We're all streamers, so we're probably going to answer questions, and we're probably going to talk about theological stuff. So if you want that sort of thing, don't run away. But the the interview moments of this broadcast here are important to establish the answer to the question. And so Will has Will tell us what you were doing previous to this. You were in ministry, but then you went into secular business. Describe that however you like. Yeah, describe your real job. You, you did have a real job. <laughs> the job you... that I don't just work one day a week for? Right. Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, before, so yes, Braxton's correct. I pastored a church for a number of years. I was a youth pastor before that. And I pastored this church. Um, it was a small country, a little church. And basically, in order for us to make ends meet, I worked a full-time job, and my wife worked a full-time job. And then I also pastored the jo- uh, the church because, unfortunately, the previous administration did not take good care of the church, and basically it was held together by prayers and bubblegum. So we needed to put a lot of the money into keeping the building from falling in on itself. So I did that and then I wanted to continue on my education and get higher education. And so I decided to go back to seminary. That's when I became a Trinity student um, and where I'll probably be signing it again here soon. Uh, But when I went back to school, my wife also got pregnant. And I realized as her and I both working full-time jobs along with me serving at the church and me wanting to get higher education, that it was just unrealistic for us to, you know, check all these boxes and especially to check them well. And also the church had endured a lot of difficulties uh, and through no fault of their own, there were some really good people there. So I stepped away from pastoral ministry at the time and handed over to a friend of mine and the church is doing great. It's actually thriving now, which is fantastic because it needed a pastor who could pour more time into it. And I was losing time, right? I'm going into education and I'm having a child and every everyone all knows the upheaval. If you've had a kid, what a child does to your life. Uh, and it's a blessing, but it's also, you know, it's, it's comes with its own challenges. At, at so, that moment, at, at that juncture, Will, could you just hold on for just a second? Yeah. Uh, people are saying that they're hearing an echo and we're using echo cancellation technology. I'm wondering, are you hearing it on Will's end or on our end? It shouldn't matter either way, but are you hearing it right now as I'm speaking or were you hearing it when Will was speaking? Does it seem like it's coming through Will's mic? It may be me, but there's echo on Will's mic. They're okay, that sounds Will's like it's coming mic. through our stuff, but we are not, I don't know what else to do about it. How bad is it? Just keep going, Will, and we'll listen to them tell us how bad it is. Some people are saying uh, they haven't heard anything. Some people are saying it's on Will's mic. Okay. Um, well, it must not, not get, be too very bad if people are saying that they didn't even notice it. So do you on. want me to change my source? I can see if that fixes it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, while you're doing that, real quick, um, I don't know how long that'll take you, but while you're doing that, so uh, what about, we're building up to, of course, is how Will's change in employment uh, affected finances and what his motivation was. Uh, try now, Will. Is there still an echo? Well, uh, I wouldn't know, but New Testament theologist says that it's tolerable anyway. So, okay, is this okay? Kind of like is Will everyone... himself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am tolerable sometimes. You are tolerable. 
right, go for it. My wife would say I am just insufferable, but that's okay. Um, So (laughs) now he's very quiet. I did that to see if it helped with the echo. (laughs) Go on. Okay. Are we? I was on a roll, and now we're just. I know. I know. All right. Okay. Keep trucking. Kids, blessings, all that. So, what I ended up doing was I started seeking employment. And uh, just to be able to get my wife to stay home, my biggest desire was for my wife to be able to stay home with our child, especially in her first couple of years, because they're so formative. And I ended up getting a job as a finance manager at a Chrysler dealership there in Michigan. And if anyone knows anything about the auto industry, it is actually very lucrative. And I was in, of course, the state of the automobile industry, which is Michigan. And I was working there and I was making more money than I've ever made before in my life. And then, uh, but due to some toxic work environment issues and challenges, I wanted to pursue a higher uh, career status because I didn't really like where I was at, even though I was making good money, everyone was difficult to work with. So I worked to get into another dealership and I got into the number one, uh, dealership for Honda in the estate of Michigan. It is the most prestigious of the dealers. And I became good buddies with the guy who ran it. And I was one of their top performers in the finance department. And there's a lot of commission in the finance department. And I was doing very well with uh, lots of potential training coming my way to eventually have me take over in a sales management position uh, uh, along with a finance directing. And then eventually, hopefully, their goal was to make me uh, a dealer or a general manager, which would be running a dealership. And if anyone's familiar with that, I mean, you're if you're terrible at your job, you're making like, you know, 350 a year at that point. Uh, but most of them are well, making well over like half a mil. So um, that was something for me that I had very much um, encountered with the um, so I was working, making a lot of money. But at the same time, I only got into it because I wanted my wife to stay home. But I always wanted to do ministry. And ministry was where my heart's at. Ministry, ministering to people is something that is near and dear to me. It's uh, no longer, it's almost to that point of where if I do anything else, I don't feel like I'm living to my potential. So I like to teach people about God. I love to preach the word, things like that. So the entire time, even though I was making tons of money and we were doing a great, I mean, all our debts were getting paid off. My wife and I were able to be very generous and still save absurd amounts, absurd amount of money, uh, stuff like that. But uh, long story short, uh, it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't what I was looking to do. I was still doing the church split, but off on the side. And it did require a lot of my time. But at the same same time, now that I was in this dealership, the people there are awesome. They were a fantastic team of people. I never had been, even though it's a high octane job and a high stress job, I'd never been at a job that I felt so comfortable in, mainly because I was good at it. They liked me, I liked them, and everything worked out really well. But I still couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't living up to my potential as much as I tried to fulfill it. So um, that's when I, I had applied throughout especially when I was trying to leave that one toxic dealership, 
I had applied at quite a few other jobs, uh, especially church jobs. And I'd gotten interview after interview and either they were reformed churches because it's West Michigan by Kelvin University and Baker Books. So you should get the idea here that uh, we were very much in a reformed area and I'm not reformed for anyone who doesn't know that already. What? Or this changes what? everything. This changes <laughs> everything. <laughs> But then the other thing was like non-denoms and everything. It just none of them felt like the right fit. They wouldn't call me back or the, uh, there was all sorts of issues. And I kind of got I was it was kind of demoralizing because I began to just wonder, like, maybe my time in ministry is over. And then I started kind of just accepting that it was over and I got very comfy at my job. And then I received a message from Jonathan Pritchett. You want to go and tell about that a little bit, Pritchett? Well, our, we were looking for a new youth pastor at our church. And so our pastor, Brett, who was uh, on our program. He was on the show, not this past Thursday, but yeah. the week before. The week before. He, and he's been on other times as well. Anyway, he had, he'd come to us and asked if um, we had anybody in mind that was a Trinity student. Our pastor is also himself a Trinity student. said, do, do you know of anybody? And I... Uh, immediately thought of three people that I asked and um, Will was one of them and they liked his resume. And so that's how that went. So I, I, I wrecked his entire life of fabulous. Well, what happened was somebody came, some big money and Brett, Brett came and said, uh, well, there's a guy that you recommended uh, several months back, Jonathan, and we're in talks with him now or something like yeah. that. And I was like, wait, what? Who did we recommend? Because <laughs> it was Jonathan. It wasn't me. I, I would have. I didn't think about it. Brad was like, I do not take any responsibility for with this. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> it has that's that, what I just heard. It so. has that side benefit, but I didn't bargain for that. I would have recommended him. But uh, it worked out. But it almost didn't work out. And that was because of the fact that Will does live in the 21st century and does have to provide for his family in a certain way. And it was going to be difficult to see how he could do that in uh, the way he had been doing it back to you, Will. Right. So Jonathan sent me uh, the link and I asked him, I was like, okay, is this a position that could support a small family? And he's like, yeah, probably. And I was like, okay, so I'll send him my resume. But I sent it at this point with like, without a hope or a prayer. Cause at this point, again, demoralized, no one gets back to me. Well, eventually they got back with me and we got in talks. And I just, right off the gate, I was like, okay, but what's the pay? And because again, I don't want to waste anyone's time if it's just absolutely impossible. And he told me what it was. And I was like, that's too far away, like way too far away. And he's like, well, why don't you come down here and candidate? And I was like, well, I don't know if I could even accept it. He's like, just come on down here and see the church, do the whole thing. And I was like, all right, we'll get a whirl. And so we went down one weekend and uh that's when i finally met you guys in person instead of online and it was one of those like things once we arrived and we met the team and it was very cohesive the team is awesome i get along with them well the the vision of the church the communication of the church everything about it was things that are near and dear to my heart and uh we got to connect with some of the students um in the student ministry here and for those of you guys who don't know i've always worked in youth ministry even when i was a lead pastor i ran the youth group and that's mainly because uh it, i've told my story in other places but i was a very troubled teenager so i definitely like have a heart for the youth because i see a lot of my own mistakes and my own heart and my own issues there so i want to try to help other youth so i've always had a heart for that and 
you know things went really well and on our way back my wife was like uh, that was really good like really good i'm like yeah but there's no way we can make this work and i called trinity and to see if they could hire me possibly part-time to make up the difference and uh they're unable to which tells me that all you guys in the live chat need to become trinity students so that way they have more money <laughs> um so uh, so go be trinity students um anyway amen so i was like come on give me some sort of feedback i mean if you don't yeah, want yeah. me amen. to promote yours promote the come school on anyway. <laughs> take courses from where you're at how's that it's great it, there we go um and so then as it went on i things were going and i was trying to bring it together and i was like maybe this is not a god thing maybe it's not well then the day i was gonna text chris my supervisor here essentially uh the next gen director that i don't think i'm gonna be able to take the job he sends me a text and goes hey can we meet thursday uh over zoom and i was like sure and i had a number in my mind like if they could get to this i could probably make it work um i sat down with them and the you know the our the executive director natalie and everyone's there and as we're talking suddenly she she goes if you take over like the missions department as well because we need this help we could actually probably do x amount and it was right where i needed it to be and i can't remember if i communicated <laughs> and, and, and that emphasis emphasis on needed because though i don't know if we spoke numbers we don't want to do that i'm sure but the fact is it was like half of what you were making i would like to know numbers no <laughs> See no, what the, you see what the talk pay differential. That. I might no, want to go work for no, one life no, instead no, of training. No, no. <laughs> it's about half of what it was, though, right, Will? Something. It like is that. half on a bad year of my old job. Okay, okay. So, but that that makes the point, right? That makes the point, I think, for people, and especially when you're in an age bracket, like we don't mind saying you're like thirty two, thirty two. And, and so this is a period of life where normally young professionals like you are wanting to just keep climbing higher and keep getting, and that usually pans out to more money. And if you took a, a cut to go to another job, it would usually be because you thought in that other job, you'd have the capacity to make what you were making and then far more. And I don't, I, I don't know what the future capacity is. Yeah, there's no are. upward mobility yeah, in right. ministry. <laughs> right. you know, well, the, the upward mobility just doesn't go very well, far. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's get a few years under my belt at this place and then go apply for some other place. That's, that's how all pastors do it. Um, you know, they, they, if they want to raise, they, they, uh, they spend a few years at one place and then, somehow mystically the lord calls them to this other church that has that always has more, more, money, more, more people more money more yeah. everything and so they just felt led to the lord to go to the that's how that normally works and i, I you know yeah. I, i'm going to put it like that because i'm sure like we say we have to caveat everything because that's what we do there's somebody out there that really felt prompted by the lord to go to a bigger church with higher pay but i don't know that that's always the case that the well in fact uh the freed thinker gives us some data here hartford institute did a clergy salary study the average clergy is under thirty thousand annually in christian clergy the average pay for a megachurch pastor up to 2500 attendees 2.5 percent of churches is eighty two thousand dollars a year so thank you for that tyler and, i want to go work for a megachurch but just but still like in terms of secular ways of thinking about money you're you're nowhere close even as a megachurch pastor on average yeah right well, that's, well that's, now you could start a cult or something but we don't recommend that unless you want money i don't know 
the well, I mean, if that's all you want, if you only want a money, money, then what you can do, there's a series of HBO and Netflix documentaries about cults. And just take a notepad and figure out what's like, the write best, a science fiction what's the best stuff and... to take from all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the problem is what keeps getting in the way of us making lots of money that way is our good intentions. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. But now there Dang is something. Now the point, so the, point, the point that I obviously wanted to make in having this show and having you on, and it was my idea to have you on about this, was because I wanted everyone to see that not only is this someone who took a cut, this is someone who took a major cut and it was so that he could do what he thought God wanted him to do with his life and for his family. And so this claim that apologists are just in it for the money at least isn't always true. And I don't know that it's mostly true, but, um, but you know what yeah. though? I mean, although, I mean, he did get out of Michigan, which was like <laughs> the lockdown state of like, don't buy seeds to plant your own garden kind yeah. of state now to, to come true. to the free state of indiana the crossroads of america where you know nobody bothers you but gretchen Will, hitmer is a problem so you yeah. haven't gotten to say too much uh for a few minutes will but that's because i'm looking for something i'm gonna let you respond to this uh i think you're the guy to respond to it now honestly atheist i don't know if you know honestly atheist but he's one of our friends he's in our community here we love him but he can take he can take uh you know, if you throw a virtual metaphorical punch, he can take it um, because he does that too sometimes. But here he wants to press the the patriarchal notions, I think, that seem to be at play in the way you and I and Jonathan currently, at least, though not always, structure our family. Because he says, sorry, that was snarky. I'll control myself. This guy seems cool enough. Working a toxic job so your wife can be financially dependent on you is a red flag to my progressive sensibilities though. Oh, come then, on. Before it. you answer, <laughs> but before you answer, he okay. to give him his full uh his full uh, uh say, he says uh, he says uh somewhere he says I'll be upset if they don't if, if they don't at least actually consider the possibility. Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed if maybe the one, woman can work is not even considered as a possibility in this scenario, which I think it was, wasn't it, Will? Yeah. So again, come off. No, no. This I have zero patience for this sort of thing. Um, so no, my wife wanted to stay home with the kid because she's a mother and wanted to do that, and I wanted to provide that. So she's able to make her own decisions, and it's okay. By the way, for the last thousands of years in civilization, men have oftentimes supported their wives to be homemakers. I have no problem with the traditional makeup. Now that you don't have to be a traditional home, but there's nothing wrong with a traditional home. And okay, I, I agree to a point, but for most of human, most of that human history, when we talk about homemaker, we also mean working in the fields, carrying buckets of water from the cistern, you know, sometimes for miles back to the home, right? Fixing the repair, doing roof repair. The Proverbs know, thirty-one woman working the fields. Yeah, uh, so I mean, it's like. There's never been a time in human history back in the day or whenever, except for a brief period of time in Americana, I guess, where they could just bake cookies and watch soap operas. Because, I mean, in, in the ancient world, you know, and for much of human history, even to the Industrial Revolution, women, uh, women did a lot of work. It's just they well, didn't. 
They yeah, didn't well, and I'm not yeah. saying my wife didn't work because yeah. she worked her butt off. I, I mean, she was a homemaker. Right. I was working 10, 12 hours a day. Who do you think is running everything? There, there is no way with the, with the capacity that that job required that we both yeah. could work, at least not without being a negligent parent. And right, because of the, the hours at, at right. a dealership. Yeah. Yeah, and if we yeah, have the no, capacity for her to stay home, then she should be able to stay home, especially if she yeah. wanted to. I just yeah, don't have, my, I don't have the patience for this progressive sensibility stuff because it, the whole point of a, of a marriage team is to be a team. Like, so I might be good at producing stuff. She's a way better home manager than I am. I'm the guy who this happened last week. This should <laughs> I'm to tattle on myself. Um, so I was on my way to a meeting and I had to bring my daughter to, uh, to said meeting. And uh, so I picked up my daughter and I got all this stuff uh, and I get all the way to my car and I hear my daughter go, she's three. She goes, uh-oh, shoes. And I look down and she's standing in my grass in socks. And I was like, I totally forgot her, her shoes. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and well, so my, it's just, and my wife, by the way, she did go back to work. She's working part time. Uh, she's actually work right now. And that was one of the dis things that we discussed, which was, well, well, in order for us to make the difference, uh, in order for us to survive comfortably, we, we, you'll probably have to go back to work like 20 ish hours a week. And she, that was something she was willing to, to do. Um, so I just, I, the whole, like, yes, people are financially re, re like dependent on one another, but there's nothing wrong with being financially dependent on your spouse. Uh, that, there's nothing wrong with it, um, especially because my wife is capable to go back to work if she needs. Yeah, um, my, my story saddle not to saddle honestly atheist with this. Uh, but Amber says anyone that thinks modern motherhood is baking cookies and watching soap operas has never stayed home. Amen. With a toddler before. <laughs> right. I mean, because now, Amber, it's it's baking cookies and TikTok. Right. I'm just kidding. That's not <laughs> no, wow. it is the hardest work. Yeah, it is the hardest. Work. I go I often go home in the middle of the day just to see what's going on or just to check on my wife or just to love on her or whatever. And I go home and if she's home, which often she's not because she's running around doing all kinds of millions of things. But if she's home, she's up doing something that's a lot more active than most of the working people I know are doing all day. Well, I've kind of seen this from both sides because, uh, up until 2017, uh, my wife and I both worked full time and she always made more money than me because she has a real degree. Uh, to use that real real degree she has a master's degree in accounting has always worked in finance departments of urology clinics or she you know she was uh in fact when she her last job was here at trinity where um braxton paid her more than he pays me uh but then she decided she wanted to stay home for the fact for the high school years of our of our kids and so uh we lost over half of our income when when she decided to quit work and then of course our kids graduated back in may uh, of last year. And she still hasn't decided if she wants to go back to work or not. I don't really care what she does. She, uh, she does some volunteer work for the red cross. And then if she gets a job, our income will go up, but you know, I mean, sometimes money isn't the, the everything, right. I mean, but we went from well over a hundred thousand dollars a year to under now. <laughs> so, um, and she always made more money than me and, uh, I'll, you know, I, I get it. Um, yeah. Those are she had this type of career, but women can either work or not work. Mm -hmm. I don't think patriarchy has anything to do with it. It kind of has. What are you willing to? What do you? What are your priorities? And what kind of life do you want to have as to whether or not both people want to work, or are you going to settle for less 
overall family income for one person to stay home. Well, and they often have to. And now, unfortunately, a lot of people say, well, you have to work. Both people have to work. Well, it, it wasn't always that way. The, the pay changed a little bit with the with, as things began to get more and more. Right. When women went to work, the labor force doubled right. and then everyone's pay went down. Right. And so they got what they wanted. Good job, ladies. <laughs> Not so. Ladies, I don't mean. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, I just wanted to gra- say, <laughs> Greg Gergi Fisher says, "My wife and I were partners in life and ministry. Of course, we've only been married for fifty-eight years. So, what would we know?" <laughs> no, well, that's actually that's exactly it. So, we're partners in this, and I'm not looking at to leave my wife. I'm not looking to harm her. I have a good life insurance policy too. So, if something were to happen to me, I know she's still her and my baby are still taken care of. But I have no problem with with. The us working as a team and i mean oddly enough even the free thinker tyler vela uh it was saying here uh what did he say y'all know yeah i, I was gonna no bring him against... i was gonna bring him up next so i'll go ahead and yeah. put that up there yeah so right there, y'all I mean, know uh, i pull no punches against hess because he's a stupid poo-poo head he didn't say that but he's 100 percent right i'll here, say it and people really <laughs> shouldn't judge the home economics and planning of families they don't know the financial situation of Right. Or yeah. the skill or the skill gaps of different people in, in the house. Like about one day a week, usually I work from home. I That's my day of preparation lessons and curriculum and all that. And uh, I have a toddler at home uh, when that when that happens, because that's usually a day that my wife is at work. And I tell you what, at the, by the time she comes home, I get the stay at home mom thing where they're like, take the kids for 20 minutes. Like, I totally understand that. My kid's the nicest kid on planet Earth, but it's definitely, it's a lot of work. So um, well, anyway. Uh, Gregory Fisher also brings up a point that I know from, and Braxton knows just from our previous pastoral ministry experience at churches, is whether your wife has a job or not have a job, when churches, especially the smaller ones, hire you. A job you, outside the home. Yeah, a job yeah. outside the home. Right. Okay, Rex. Um, when... Churches hire you. They do really think that they're getting free labor out of your spouse as well. So they, so even if they hire you to be a bivocational pastor or whatever, they're going to expect the wife of the pastor or youth pastor. You're going to do something in children's ministry, right? They, they they have this expectation that they're getting two employees for one, or at least one and a half employees. Yeah, but, but that was but, actually. Uh, that was actually a discussion we had uh, with them. We're like, what's my wife's expectations in this? And they actually gave the best answer. Like, we hired you and not her. She has zero obligation, but we would like her to be around because she's just another member of the church family. But well, we, we like not- her better than you, so... My wife is so nice and likable. Like Tyler Vela, I know he can't stand me, but he'd love my wife. She's really yeah, nice. Everyone loves Callie, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> there's, there's this, this thing that they... That was a good answer because most churches give the exact opposite answer. Uh, we expect your wife to do this. We expect your wife to do that. And mm-hmm. can your wife please? And she they're, and then they're the first asked to volunteer, you know, to do something in the kitchen or, you know, whatever. Well, you know, I, and I was going to say about that, um, that uh, when you when you're I've known some pastors who have told me the story that they have confronted this. And for whatever reason, they didn't want that put on their wife. So. They told the the search committee or whatever it was that hey, if you bring me on, you're bringing me on. You're not bringing. It's not my wife that's an employee here, or or the pastor of the church, or what, however you want to think of that. And uh, and and even though they said that, that was kind of perceived by the search committee as who's this guy think he is? You yeah. Know? So Amber so. says I'm wrong about that though. Obviously, Ben have never been on the receiving end of the of bad. That's maybe. Maybe so. Of course, 
if I don't know what she's saying there. What do you think she's saying? Oh, I can I tell you know. what she's saying. Uh, so, um, especially in certain conservative circles, y'all didn't, y'all weren't raised in a legalistic enough environment, man. I tell you what, it'll change you. Uh, so, someone from that kind of background, uh, that probably thirty-one woman can be used as a cudgel against women to make them like basically know their place. So, like, you oh, ought to be submissive. Him, you ought to be this. Me. You ought to be that. That so, wasn't Pritchett. That was Hunter who brought what? up the Proverbs thirty-one thing. Well, I've heard your talk about the Proverbs 31 well, morning, if and we you could were just making get... all the same points you were just making, so I just gave the title of the Here, sermon. If, if we could just get men to live up to the Proverbs 31 woman, things would be the church would be in a better shape. So we can't even get men to live up to that uh, thing, yeah. so much less women. So I, I do understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm yeah. Right. Go ahead. Um, and yeah, and the bottom. So what, uh, to get, I guess, a little bit on uh, track here and see if anyone else has other questions. First off, yeah, just to hit the dead horse one more time. We do take a very traditional role in our household um, in many ways, but that's not because uh, I rule with an iron fist or anything. It's just that we ha naturally fall into that because that's just the way it is. Um, it's how we work. <laughs> right. We work like well most complementarians um, that I, uh, you, you fit the mold uh, where you're, you're complementarian, but your wife tells you what to do anyway. But look here, I want to, I want to, I want to comment on something Tyler says here because he says point though, Talking about those unrealistic expectations by church, uh, by churches is why honest atheists ask what he asked, though. There is a trend in church culture that quietly does have that yes, expectation. Very, very much now, so. I agree yeah. with that. That's fair. But of That's course, fair. Th this is part. Yeah, but this is. And of course, that should be a consensual in that sense. But the thing about it is um, when you come into a denomination or a church group um, and they're all denominations, at least in the sense that they have or we hope they have, uh, you know, doctrinal positions. And when you come into a church where the flavor of that church or the denomination of that church has um, an outlook on the structure of the family and all of that certain thing, um, it, it's, it's not surprising that the people in there would, would share some common views about that. But I, so I, yeah, so it's fair to call it out, but I do think, and it is an expectation of a lot of people in church. Um, but I think it's probably the expectation of, of many of those women in that church too. Absolutely. And now, and then the other thing is that, like when people say that, like people are just in ministry for money or whatever, uh, that, that obviously, because it's personal to me, I took I, like on my worst year, I'd have taken a 50% pay cut. It's probably more like 60 to 70%. Okay. Let's just I'll call it what it is. I, we were pretty lucrative. Um, we were doing well. And, but the other thing like to that is the fact that a lot of the people they say this about, they clearly don't know. Uh, actually, Tyler, uh, to his credit again, said in the chat earlier that most apologists I know have like multiple side hustles to make ends meet. Uh, I know Dr. Stratton does that. I know I, I have that. Uh, I'm working on other things to do that. Um, I'm jealous of, of Dr. Stratton. Tim Stratton and Cameron Bertuzzi's side hustles. They've got the best side hustles. Um, Tim gets to be a musician as a side hustle and perform uh, in front of pretty decent sized crowds from what I can gather. You know, the, the you know, he's, they're not like a national. That's not why you're talking. You don't want to talk about Tim. But you want to talk about Cameron Bertuzzi. I want to talk about Cameron Bertuzzi's second Bertuzzi's channel, where, second cut channel lawns. where him and his brother cut lawns. I mean, if you haven't checked out the Bertuzzi brothers, that is the best channel on YouTube for you're, it's, it's, I love you're it. You're so weird. I, I'm giving I mean, it a I, shout out. That is my uh, Saturday morning. Whenever they come up with a video that I put, I used to, I mean, I was already uh, like AZ and some of these other guys in that kind of, 
YouTube space where Saturday mornings I would put those guys, those, those types of channels on, but Cameron's is better than the other, you know, lawn transformation. Oh, channels. even within his genre is pretty within good. His genre, Cause I was watching that genre right. before he got into it, but Saturday morning, put it on when you know you have a day full of yard work. If when you wake up, just put it on your TV and watch them get after it. And it inspires you to go, do your own yard work and get yeah but i don't care about my yard so uh anyway that i can tell (laughs) gregory says here i once suggested to a ministry class in africa that we should turn africa over to the women uh the continent would be an economic powerhouse in a generation now that's now that's an interesting comment gregory but i i would not ever follow a comment with a standalone comment that just says i nearly got stoned (laughs) (laughs) yeah that could go either way Uh, there yeah yeah uh, so, but, but then, go ahead, the, but the other thing is, is, uh, I, one of the things I don't think people realize is usually pastors now, granted you could, there's always toxic pastors. Okay. I, I'm I talk about the, the general rule. Most pastors are, since they're running a church are usually very business minded to one degree or other. Now people can criti- criticize that all day long, but bottom line is churches have bills just like everything else. So there is a business aspect to it, even though that's not the reason why you do it, but you have to have money in order to do the ministry thing. Uh, spend money to make money kind of thing. So, but the other thing is a lot of the people who are doing these things are very capable individuals, very intelligent, very high octane individuals. And you can make a lot of money doing anything else besides ministry. And yeah, for was, most people. And and of course you can point to either Joel Olstein or John MacArthur. They're both worth, have net worths in the millions. That's fine. Uh, you can talk about charlatans like Kenneth Copeland or whatever. Yeah, we, Granted all that, but that's not most people. And I don't begrudge either Joel Osteen, who takes no salary from his church for writing books that people like to read for reasons that escape me. Uh, likewise, John MacArthur writing books and making money that people like to read for reasons that escape me. But, you know, they, they're, I, I don't have a problem with it, personally. Right. Um, I, I, I wish that I could write a book that everyone would read. Now, here's the point you made just before the show, Jonathan. Yeah. is what Tyler says. Would the critics say atheist skeptic channels with Patreon and such are just out for the money? I'm, wait for it, skeptical they would. Well, I, I think once once atheist skeptic channels or I- any kind of channel puts out a Patreon to help support the channel, um, I think that, that criticism goes away that Christians are only in this for the money. Now, let me preface it you know i think that's fine i have no problem saying that i come to trinity every day for the money i do trinity radio even for the money to pay for vizard and this other stuff and then braxton just to make more youtube yeah and braxton spends uh, he does all this software i'm looking at our expenses and he keeps upgrading stuff and yeah so we do this for money i have no problem i'm not embarrassed to say that the things that i do or for money. People are like, why don't you go debate so-and-so? Okay, how much does it pay? Because I do things for money. I'm not saying that atheists, skeptics are only in it for the money any more than any apologists are only in it for the money. But yeah, we all do what we do for money so that we can feed our families and whatever. And there's nothing wrong with Christians making money. Someone made a comment here earlier. uh, I think it was Amber made a comment about how, oh, they, you know, her parents were a great example living out uh, by getting paid starvation uh, wages. And that's tragic that they were only getting starvation wages for doing ministry. Mm-hmm. You should pay people what they're, you know, to and not take advantage of the fact that 
they ain't gonna quit. Yeah, like her parents, they weren't gonna quit. I mean, Jesus had what? Forward. Susanna, Joanna, Mary. She, Jesus had women bankrolling his ministry. <clears throat> Uh, well, according to Luke. it goes into the whole like I mean, it, is someone who n- learns a trade not worth their pay? Like I mean, the, and yeah. if you go into church history, ra- like uh, priests and bishops, there was always like a, a money that could be attached. Uh, rabbis were paid. The priests they had their own way of making money. Uh, it, it, this is part of it where it's like, well, a man should be worthy of it. But one thing I wanted to make sure, this was, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. So it's funny when I was going back and forth uh, on whether or not to accept this position when they came and hit my minimum, uh, this was kind of funny. So I got off the phone with them and I just remember sitting there, there was a speaker and I just, you know, turned off. I looked at my wife and I was like, what do you think? And I was over here waiting for her to be like, no, like, cause she really liked the cushy life. And she goes, I know it sounds crazy, but I think we should do it. And then I was like, no, you are crazy. <laughs> and so and I was really debating it. And on my way back home from work uh, on a Saturday, my Spotify was on shuffle. And I'm one of those weirdos who listens to hipster indie bands. Okay, fight me. But Amen. Uh, will, I will fight you over that. What's your favorite I've, hipster indie bands? Because we may uh, share notes. Do, uh, do you like the classic crime? I don't know that. That may be too. I will send them to you. They're great. Um, Not me. I won't listen to it. Well, shut up, Pritchett. Um, I have a, an eclectic. Don't yuck our yum. <laughs> My playlists are unimpeachable. Period. So I actually did like your Christmas playlist better than Braxton's. So I do like yeah. the classics. I will yeah, say but that. That's the thing. He picks. Cl- he picks songs that are like. Well, of course, like he picks them from each decade. He'll pick like the best song from that decade. And it's like, well, yeah, yes, of course, exactly. I could send you a list that has handles Messiah and be like, you're not allowed to say anything bad about this. It's handles Messiah. Right. And I wouldn't because it's but the whole point was to expose each other to new music. I know all those songs you put. Will knows all those songs. Get the reason why music. you know all those songs is because there is a tier of talent and these particular songs. Have, yes, you like what artists. everyone else likes. You're right. Okay, back <laughs> to my indie band. Uh, except for the so, fact that I listen to 80s New so, Wave and nobody listens to 80s New Wave anymore. Are except you for kidding? Me and to- Tony Bryant. Like the biggest thing. It's me and Tony Bryant, we still listen to NXS all the time. And you guys argue like an old married couple listen to and you two. There's a certain percentage of the audience that only shows up for the rare moments when this uh-huh. happens. Aha uh-huh is great. By the way, Josh Lock Klein uh, is fantastic. knows who the classic You click on Josh Klein's name right now because he, he gets it. No, not him. There, he gets it. Classic Crime is fantastic. All right. So this is so it was funny. I was on the I was on the road and they have a song. Uh <laughs> If, if there's an apocalypse, it's about to happen. All right. So the uh, the classic crime has a song called Spare Time on an album called How to Be Human. Now, my Spotify was just on shuffle on my way home. And this song came on. And I always loved this album. But this song, like, punched me in the teeth because I was still going, oh, but all this money. But I really – my heart's here. But can we do that? Can I can I do that? Um, and this – the first verse – and I'll read the first verse and the second verse, Okay. The first verse says, you clutch the cross around your neck and you hope to God there's still time left. You turn back down the path to find your way. But in the dusty summer breeze of this ghost town, you hear the sea. It's salted, crashing melody still haunts you to this day. And it says, where were you when I called you to be wild? And now your ship sets sail and you're stuck in a prison. 
Verse two, though, is what killed me. It said, you bought all your philosophies, right? So Christianity, you could say, and carved out your philanthropy, making lots of money. It didn't take you much to do your part. So we were giving. Uh, but you closed off opportunity with narrow, cold hypocrisy. And in the end, you traded petty comforts for your heart. Wow. Talking and away. I don't know what I'm to say. I'll say it anyway. Today is another day to find you. Shying away. I'll be coming for your love. Okay. Take on me. <laughs> better. It's just better. Speaking no, it's not. Talking trying, away. He, he's sharing something poignant, right? There was meaning in the lyrics. That you wanted it's to Valentine's it. Day. It, I'm, I'm, Pritchett. Let's become, you know, go home with your wife, become cartoon characters and jump through paintings and all that kind of thing. Just like the uh, you're the reason that Richard says, like, every time I show up late, I'm enjoying the conversation and camaraderie, but have no idea what the original <laughs> topic was. That's Valentine's true. Day, like Christmas, is another good day to remind all of you men to go home and put on Harry Connick Jr. and not Michael Bubbleface. Or just Michael, do whatever you're Michael Bubble is great. You're just being a curmudgeon at this point. No. No. Yep. Yeah, you are. It's okay. You can't, you can't out. This is what he's doing, Will. You can't at once, like, pick only the most obviously, you know, right choices that, like, nobody would ever question. And then turn around and act like you're the hipster that doesn't like the big names and doesn't like Harry the... Connick Jr. is bigger than Michael Bubbleface. What? Harry Connick Jr. is in a long yeah, line but you don't, of yeah, but the, the, excellent okay. Louisiana crooners no. who... Who, unlike Michael Bublé, who's more popular right now, like as a as like a current sort of thing? Well, they're both no, but they're neither one of them's popular. They're both right irrelevant. Now. They're not irrelevant, but I I would still say Harry. I'm Connick done Jr. with this conversation. I don't care. <laughs> have your have your Harry Connick. Harry Connick Jr. Famous thing is a talented multi instrumentalist from New Orleans. Who Dude, play in any number yeah, of, of course. Genres, it's like it's like being like uh, yeah. Michael Queen Blake was a great rose to fame by butchering and Nina Simone. Queen was a great rock band. We all know that. We all know Frank Sinatra is the best. Okay, but I'm talking that there's our no, other didn't. artists that are doing good art that uh you know no one uh, recognizes. And Nick Quint is also wrong. The classic crime has been great since Silver Cord. You can shut up, sir. You, uh, that you just have. Too much soy in your drinks, and you need to stop. Slam RN gave me some money on this stream where we don't want money or don't just want money. What a youth pastor without a guitar in the background? Isn't that heretical? <laughs> yeah, with where Star is Wars Will Lego the guitar? In the yeah. Star Wars uh, Lego have, in the background is better. I have Star Wars than Legos, and I have Sting from Lord of the Rings up here. I am a way cooler youth pastor. I agree. You. That's pretty awesome. Hold on. So, I, agree. Hold on. I also have a gun off camera, but that's that's neither here nor there. Okay. Well, you're in Indiana. You're allowed to carry those wherever you want to. Yep. Amen. Uh, God bless America. But as a gift, the, Will, as a gift from Pritchett, you'll see. Well, you can't see it, but over my shoulder, you would see that that there is a space trilogy box set. It was probably produced like decades ago that Jonathan got me as the best present he's ever got me. I read all of them in one season, one Christmas season. And then the next year he tried to do better and he got me this. But not as good as the space. Sorry, Pritchett. Way cooler than the space. <laughs> I also have Andrew at home. So I have Aragorn's as well. So I just now we look like the, 
now we look like those kids on the mission trip or on the youth trip who all they do it, like the the dorky kids who just go to the like in gatlinburg tennessee to the shop where they sell all the swords and knives and buy a bunch and on the youth trip the youth pastor's got to keep all the swords away from all the boys i'm the one who buys like those your sword boys. and tells them if they don't behave i will decapitate <laughs> well okay we are now to the decapitation portion of the live stream so maybe we should check to see if anyone has any questions on this or any other topic while we're here uh and then we can please bring this to an end <laughs> you know for once pritchett always wants to go buck wild on these streams and for once we go off topic and we're having a good time and he's like this has to end. <laughs> well, it's mainly because he's not cool enough to know anything besides what everyone else uh, right. likes to listen to. Say that. So, Say that. I agree Pritchett. because Pritchett. because there is a reason why popular things become popular and others do not. It's because they are objectively better. Or because everyone else is sheep and just follows the mainstream. I mean, come on. There are still people who think that the Marvels was good, for crying out loud. So how about this? I'm going to come up with some sort of fitness challenge for myself. If I beat it, then you have to, like, give me 48 hours where you listen to nothing but bands I select. Me or him? Him. Okay. No, no. All right. You can join me. 48 hours straight. Okay, fine. <laughs> you have until December 31st to be able to do a muscle up. I don't even know what that is, but sounds good. <laughs> it's where you go do a pull up and then shift over the bar and do a dip. It's where you go to a seafood restaurant and eat mussels. <laughs> <laughs> By December thirty first, you have to be able to do a muscle up, just one. Derek wants to work here. Are you hiring? We just told Will we couldn't hire him. <laughs> We're yeah, thinking about firing they... Braxton at this point. <laughs> I'm expendable. <laughs> Uh, okay, but back on topic, I guess. Uh, oh, I thought we so, were just kind of off. I thought we were done, but go ahead. I, I just feel like I should reiterate, no, people are not in apologetics or in the pastor for money because generally speaking, pastors don't make money and apologists don't either unless you're one of the really big ones. Yeah. And which, like, uh, I bet you Sean McDowell, Frank Turek, and William Lane Craig are not hurting. But William Lane Craig I, but also But I also bet philosophy. you they're making, less, they're making less money, I bet, than like a megachurch pastor. Like a big name. Probably. Like, like uh, what's that uh, young guy in Houston or um, I don't keep up with the megachurch, but probably less than John MacArthur. For example. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even think that community, Grace Community is a megachurch, is it? I don't know. Uh, John Piper's not hurting, but I mean, I think that uh, like even the biggest name Christian apologists are probably making less money than the biggest name pastors for sure, because I mean, nobody cares about apologetics. I mean, if you're getting, don't even get into apologetics you know what the difference is between a large pizza and an apologist? A large pizza can feed a family of four. Oh, my gosh. Ouch. <laughs> the dad jokes. Uh, Amber is back. Our uh, local seminary student. Well, we got several seminary students. How do you change the perception that pastors shouldn't get paid what they're worth? You complain about it. I remember that my, I remember, I better not say that. And, 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 uh, oh, no, and, I, I think not only do you complain about it, but I think what you need to do, cause there needs to kind of be a band amongst ministers to be like, it's okay for me to get paid. So don't yeah. do what I did. Don't buy the poverty gospel and be like, Oh, I'll pay, be paid mince me. Cause that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's the only job that was offered to me. No, you just, no, I, I have to make X amount of dollars in order for me to take this vocation. 
just tell them what it is because that is how you can get there where they if if they can't hire ministers for nothing then they're gonna have to find a way to get them while well, they keep bringing up the money thing well then just put it complain about it draw your line in the sand and yeah, here's dad- the thing even if they give you the money like let's say you, like they don't want to like well we think pastors should do blah 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 and then they finally give you it do you really want to work at that church because they're probably going to abuse you <laughs> That's, they probably have a very screwed up view on how you should work anyway so yeah, well, yeah. They want, they, you know they're asking now this has constantly been said but they're but they are asking a church that's not willing to pay their pastor you know what he's worth uh however you want to cash that out is it wants him to take a risk they want him to take a step of faith for god in coming to this place that they've never necessarily been with people they don't know to situations that they can't imagine and and he takes all of that step of faith but they but they might not be willing to take a step of faith of yeah. signing on the dotted well, line well here's the thing but but wait a minute i want to get a couple super chats here faithius he says let's finally be honest we're not doing it for the money we're doing it for the women no. our wives but still the women Funny, the, funny, but not even, not even there. We, I don't think any of our wives watch any of the nonsense. No, no, but they, but they'll cash the checks, won't they? Um, what? I'll say, <laughs> I'll say it. I suspect Lee Strobel is in it for the money. Honestly, atheist says, and I want to speak to that. So, I met Lee Strobel uh, in about 2010. In fact, I know it was 2010, right after my first live public debate, and I met him and. Um, he was actually talked to his wife for a long time and he was super nice to me. Really, really nice, friendly. We sat and talked. The next time I saw him was several years later after one of the unapologetics conferences, the weekend that the case for Christ film was released. And I reminded him, uh, that, uh, I knew the newspaper article at the beginning of case for faith, his second book, which he had then planned to make another movie about case for faith. I don't know what the deal is with that now. But there was a guy at the beginning of it, uh, Charles Templeton, who had been a colleague of Billy Graham's in the Youth for Christ movement and all of that. But he had become an atheist and he includes an interview he did with him in the book. But he said, I heard that Charles Templeton had a deathbed conversion. And I said, if I can find you that he said he couldn't find the article. I said, if I can find you the article, will you add me to the credits of the case for faith? (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, pull, pull the, uh, casino, the jackpot lever, you know? And he said, yeah. So I went right back to the hotel room, took me about 10 minutes and I sent him the article or sent it to Mark Middleberg who sent it on to him. So if they ever do make one, maybe I'll be in there, but I met him then. And I've met him on several uh, occasions since then. And you know, something he has always gone out of his way to spend time alone with me that he could easily be at his hotel or doing something else. And I found that to be, uh, evidence of genuine concern for the, movement of Christ and for the young apologists that are in it and for people broadly. So that's my take. I, I, I want to ag- actually agree with, honestly, atheists. I'll say it too. I suspect Lee Strobel is in it for the money. Just not just the money, right? He's just not in it only for the money. So I like um, my answer better. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the other point <laughs> about how do you get the pay up? Like my, in congregationalist churches, my dad brought this up at least once or twice a quarter or whatever, advocating for, some of the church staff to get higher pay because in these congregational churches, they pass out the the budget and you see what the packages are for the lead pastor, for the music minister or whatever. And my dad would be the one that would lead the charge of let's give them a raise. Then if this is what we're paying and we've been paying them for this long, let's give them. And if you keep at it, at least, 
you know, once a year they'll get a annual raise if but, somebody's advocating. But all of this to say, Pritchett, yeah. Because someone could look at the last twenty minutes and say, "All you guys are talking about is how you should be getting more money." Well, not us. We're not. We're not active clergy. I mean, right. Will is, but the rest of us are yeah. not actively like out there pastoring or a youth pastor or something. Uh, but the point is, uh, we're, we're the whole discussion is evidence that these people aren't in it just for the money. Yeah. Otherwise, they would be in a much more lucrative yeah. situation. You- Oftentimes, these people are are uh, highly are, are like good public speakers. That in itself, if you're uh, if you're able to get in front of a crowd, you know that that in itself can be a a benefit. But these people are often very smart, very bright. Sometimes go for seminary degrees. They could easily make a lot more money in something else. Go yeah. ahead, Pritchett. Uh, and you probably know this as well because you've been in a lot of churches around the South, and I've been to a lot of churches around the South, especially smaller ones, going back to something that Amber had mentioned about, well, sometimes you'll hear, we're a small church, we're trying to revamp, and we just don't have the money. Those churches usually have their buildings paid for and have half a million dollars in a bank account for a rainy day. and it's, it's But because of their weekly givings, are just enough to keep the doors open, right? Even though they have half a million bucks sitting away that will die with the last member and get possessed by whoever, whatever. Um, I don't know what happens with taxes and all that. But to me, it's like, you could, if you want something big to happen, you need to reinvest that rainy day fund because it's storming outside. And one of the things you need to invest in is someone who will pound the pavement and get people to church and you're not going to do that with paying your pastor peanuts when you have the money. Uh, your church is going to die in five years anyway, so why not take, you know, instead of 200 a week, why don't you give him, you know, 35, 40 grand out of that rainy day fund to see what he could do in a year? That's all I'm saying. Is It's not because they don't have money. There's a lot of churches out there that have a ton of money in the bank, even though they have 13 people in the pews. With well, usually two of them paying the entire weekly expenses. MJ from our Thursday night videos says, I know I'm not in it for the money. I told Trinity Sim that I would work for free if only they would let me. <laughs> <laughs> I can like these things now. I, know. I could like a super chat. Praise the Lord. Oh, that's right. new. That's cool. Thank you for uh, that yeah. super chat, MJ. Uh, Will, anything else you wanted to kind of say before we wrap this up? I mean, not as, I mean, besides the fact that uh, we all know that Pritch is a curmudgeon, which normally I appreciate, but he's just wrong when it comes to bands. Um, so, never wrong. so say we all. So, but otherwise, yeah, I think it's just we, there is, a, of course, an issue with money in the church and how that, that conversation happens. I, I was very impressed with the way our church handled the entire conversation. It was very mature. It was very, very realistic. It was awesome. Um, but just this whole idea that people know, people who are buy into the idea of the kingdom, of the gospel, we really do believe in the whole like self sacrificial life, at least the most of us do. And at least to my experience, so it's not like people are in it to just only become rich. And I think that's a big issue uh, because there's no way any of us are going to become rich by doing what we do. And most of my most people I know would give the shirt off their backs, uh, you know, even though and you guys are both uh, president and vice president of a seminary. And if, of course, if you are the president of some sort of like university or whatever, you make a lot more money. But you guys are in seminary because you guys actually believe in what you do. And. That's okay. And, but the, the other, uh, and I also know that you guys are generous. I mean, uh, I, 
we've hung out many times my entire workout like regiment right now all the stuff i have is basically because pritchett was like here get swole <laughs> so uh that, i i live that and i think it's important that people recognize the fact that people aren't just doing this for the money we aren't doing that we're, we're here because we actually want to change lives impact people for the kingdom of god and yeah that's basically it um, that is so, yeah. a lego y-wing in the background it's a y-wing yeah they were asking what, pocket. oh why, no, there's uh, a there's another knife here i, I think he's seeing uh that one's a they can't see that nobody can see that he's talking about the oh, weird he's talking about the y-wing mm -hmm. let us see yeah, the that's professional a, stuff will lego y-wing sorry <laughs> shut up braxton <laughs> oh man hey look uh new testament theologist says he'd like to put some courses together for us too all right Let's uh, let's go ahead and bring this to a close. But thank you all for being here today. This seems like the right time to stream. We got we had a decent crowd in for most of this, and we've put this to bed. We shouldn't. After today, I'm confident we'll never hear um, an atheist <laughs> say that Christians are just in it for the money ever again. Ever. Never again. It's over. We ended it with this stream. Except uh, I'll I'll go ahead and just speak for myself that if I ever have the opportunity to make John MacArthur money, I'll take it happily <laughs> and without shame or embarrassment. Well, I'm just glad to know that somebody's still using the little icons. Oh, they, where is it? Oh, sorry. There was somebody who did ask a question earlier. I think it was Slam. I should probably quickly answer it. I meant to circle to it. They asked if I have now more time with my family. And the truth is yes. That was one of the one of the other factors that we kept considering was also more time with family. So just to answer that, uh, that and you can't put a price on that. Well, amen. My kids are grown. Well, you can put a price on <laughs> kidding. Sort of kidding. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's time to start up the old intro music and go ahead and say goodbye to you. All you, what does R and Ross say? All you little cats and kittens. What does uh, rationality rules say? Hello or goodbye, my fellow apes. I think it is. Um, I don't know what we say here. We just say we'll see uh, you next time. May the wind always be at your back. No. May the Lord make your <laughs> road rise either. up to meet you. It, get your face all the way in front of the camera and say, but that we'll was see, you next, see you next that time. I have to crawl old. across the whole desk now. We'll see you next time on the radio.